You're listening to the Purpose Driven Person Podcast. This podcast is made for leaders unwilling to give up their desires to be purpose-driven. Guys, I made this show for a compass for you to have more purpose in leadership through four concepts, creation, communication, collaboration, and connection in both business and in life. My name is Matthew Leland Cox. I'm the founder of Never Give Up Youth Healing Center, Never Give Up Wellness Center, and Never Give Up Foundation. You can find me at MatthewLelandCox.com. Are you ready? Well, let's do this. All right, welcome to the show. I am excited for this show. If you're tuning in for the first time, this is the Purpose Driven Person Show. And our podcast, our show, whatever you want to call it, it's up to you. Um, I do this for the reason of just my own therapy. I love doing podcasting. It helps me get out. I love teaching. And today's show, I have a really good friend. He actually went to high school with me. Uh, Roger Litchfield. And uh, Roger, I'm going to tell him about you first, and I'm going to have you come on and introduce yourself. So Roger's a man of many talents. One, he loves basketball. I remember in high school, you were a basketball player, right? Um, And uh, and just a nice guy all around. I remember in high school, he's always nice to everybody, even me, a crazy uh, (laughs) out uh, troublemaker at those days. Um, but Roger, he has a huge background in mental health, but also currently in his life, a father of five or three. I can't remember. Four. Is it four? Four. Yeah. Two four. boys, two girls. Oh man. Uh, and, uh, a husband, uh, for many years, uh, married your high school sweetheart, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. There is Spanish class. Yeah. There is Spanish <laughs> class and just, a, just, uh, currently working as a consultant in, in mental health field and many other fields. He's a business entrepreneur. Uh, just done a lot of things in his life. Welcome to the show, Roger. I'm excited to have you, man. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. We've been talking about this forever, right? Yeah, yeah. We've been wanting to do it forever. <laughs> and I think we've both been so busy with uh, just life. And it's it's good to actually have a moment to talk about something that I think we're both pretty passionate about. So Yeah. Well, let's jump into it because uh, this show is a special show. I wanted to do a show on mental health on a high performance level. As I've been doing a lot of consulting with CEOs and in my coaching clients, I'm finding that my high performers, they're having a lot of mental health issues, uh, especially in today's age, after COVID, after all the things that have occurred in the world, it's got a little worse and people are starting to see it. Um, In your experience, just all the entrepreneurial, all the things you own, several businesses currently operating them. Do you kind of see this in high performers or even when you were at that level? What, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I see it. I see it definitely across the board. And if people were to be honest about it, um, for sure. Uh, I do think that certain personalities or whatever are, are more adverse to, to uh, high performance and mental health. I, I would tell you uh, from my own personal level, I'm not one of those. I'm uh, I'm probably a little bit more sensitive, a little bit more emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, probably didn't have as thick a skin as I as I needed to, or whatever else. Uh, I'm also very analytical and logical. But one of the one of the things that would happen is I would see that I'd get hit with multi. I'd be doing fine. I'm a systems person. I like setting up systems, and I work and I really enjoy uh, working with people that are talented in their own rights and way and then working with them and, and helping use their talents to help us succeed well what typically happen is i would get hit with two or three things or maybe three or four minor things and then one major thing would come along and uh to be honest it was almost paralyzing uh, mm. it was debilitating and uh my wife helped me out a lot tavia she would just kind of Help me just kind of breathe. I definitely started doing some meditation. Uh, I've been in counseling for a couple of years, but you know, the, the one thing I've, I've found is to be very realistic uh, and to be very real about where I'm at. Uh, I definitely believe in uh, speaking something into existence or speaking something to the universe as part of a, as part of a path or a prayer or meditation. The, the studies on it are overwhelming that that is part of, uh, mental health, be able to 
get grounded, be able to get perspective, everything else. Yeah. I, I look around, I see, because I, I have been, I'm not overwhelmed at the moment, but I have been, I, and I'm sure yeah. I will, you know, once you've been that and you can see that you can recognize it. And before I probably didn't recognize it as much. Hey, you know, uh, as a short bus kid myself, um, <laughs> I, I, I know it every day. Like, it's funny you say that my wife, when I first married her, uh, she didn't understand ADHD cause that's what I have. I have ADHD. Uh, so along with that wonderful thing, I'm very creative, but I also have tons of anxiety, um, just for no reason. I'll stress about the stupidest things that keep me up at night where for her, she just goes to sleep and it's no big deal. And in yeah. the first of our marriage, she thought I would stay up late watching TV because I didn't want to go to bed with her. It was me. My brain wouldn't shut off. Right. And now we've been together for over 10 years now and she's starting to get it, but it really had an effect on her marriage at the beginning. So it's funny you say that because a lot of times it, it's hard because when you're a crater like us, it's funny you say too, is that when you're emotionally plugged in, you, you absorb that energy as a creator, as an entrepreneur, uh, and I think that's what you're speaking to because we, we're, I think we're kind of carved out of that same cloth as, as entrepreneurs. There's that very logical side of leaders that are very, they kind of just don't have any emotion. Uh, we call that the, in, in our color code, I've talked about the green personalities. They're just like, oh, well, it has nothing to do with me. And right. then there, there's us blues that kind of absorb it. So what, what have you seen? You've been doing this a long time. What have you seen over the years when you've hired leaders and put them in a leader position and they're hitting stress and hitting walls and ceilings? What have you seen? What's helped them or how have you helped them get through things? Because this, this a mental health thing is real. Uh, there's a lot of articles right now out there about CEOs having a lot of mental health issues. The, the biggest thing for me is um, like managers I have or the leaders for, for my businesses is constant communication with them. The other thing is able to understand and recognize when they're stressed. Okay. Um, most people, majority of the people I feel once they feel like they probably got to where I was at, it wasn't one little thing. It was several things mm -hmm. and they just needed someone to come in and say, breathe. I got you. I got your help. What do we need? And then you just, you know, the reality is each and every, at the end of the day, it's going to be the end of the day. That's all you can do. You can get up the next day, hopefully improve it may even be worse, but who knows? But as long as you're in action, it helps. Uh, Jeff Bezos said one thing um, that helped him was immediately just start working on the issue or the problem. Um, and, and you will get a, a sense of uh, accomplishment by doing that. I think that that part was very big. Mm -hmm. well, one other thing, kind of on a side note, yeah. you know, one of the things that really struck me this year, I've come across as a, as an extrovert, but I'm not. I'm, I'm very much an introvert. Um, I'm shy. I don't really like talking to people. I, I will if it's a good conversation or whatever, and I have good energy, I'll get into it. I've through time and practice, I've done that. But one of the things uh, my wife and I were talking about is, and I never realized this: extroverts are really energized by conversations. So, like one of my managers, he. He's very good at what he does. And there's a lot of constant communication. And he feeds off of that big time. Where I, so the longer he goes, he even told me, like, you know, by the end of the day, I have more energy. Yeah. And I'm the opposite. If I'm talking to a lot of people all day, you're by dead. The end of the day, I'm zapped. And I don't, you know, I don't know on the physiological side or the, the physical side or whatever happens there but to me it's absolutely fan it is fascinating because i never even considered that i never considered holy cow someone can just get more energy off of conversations while someone else it's it's energy depleting yeah extrovert introvert it's 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 so funny you say that because i'm i'm an introvert as well uh you never think so i i do a lot of speaking but it drains the heck out of me. So my yeah. wife is an extrovert. She right. loves going to parties. She, 
every weekend there's a Mexican party because she's Mexican. So a lot of birthdays, quinceañas. I'm like, do I know him? And that was our big fight at the first our marriage. I'm like, I don't want to go. I don't know him. I don't care to go to those parties. But, you know, what's cool is us extroverts or, or introverts, we're very philosophy-driven. We think, right. we we come up with ideas, we're solvers. It's kind of cool you say that. In your life, have you, how, how much time do you spend in your head? Do you think all too the much. time? <laughs> I'll give you a very straightforward answer. Way too much. Yeah. And I actually wanted to kind of probably point that out. Yeah. The reason why you and I as introverts probably get so tired. And yes. Even in conversations is because we're probably overthinking on what we're going to say Amen. and how say it or, or whatever. And an extrovert, they're, they're probably a little careful on what they say, but they just say it. And then if they make a mistake or whatever, they just circle back where, where my, <laughs> uh, myself, I tend to overthink, overthink on that. And I just start to think, you know, that creates a lot of mental exertion and, and, you know, they, they've already found that your, your mental your brain and the computing takes a lot of energy, you know, I don't know the percent, but I can tell you that emphatically that uh, too much time in my own head to <laughs> some ways is good. Like everything, some ways is good. Some yeah. ways is bad. It's, it's a, it's a, in my opinion, the more that you can understand it, the more you can use who you are and the tools that God or the universe has gifted you with to be able to, use it for your advantage. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you hear this saying from Stephen Covey, I, I want to see what you think of it. It says, you know, before you try to fix anybody else, you got to fix yourself. Um, he says, as a manager, as a leader, you got to work on you before you can work on another person. Uh, what's your thoughts on that saying as a leader? hundred uh, percent. I'd say most of my mistakes and frustrations is probably trying to work or fix other people instead of myself and, and seeing mm -hmm. what I need to do. Uh, I mean, you got to take that context with a little bit of a grain, grain of sand. Yeah. You know, it, my, my personal philosophy is as far as developing a team, working within a team concept and such, or, you know, with, as a company or even a sports team, you and I both coached quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, you, I'm a big believer that you've got to let the team and the individuals kind of work things out and to be able to take leadership in the company themselves or the team themselves. But you, as a leader, you have to be able to quickly jump in if it's going to be something catastrophic yes. or disastrous. And that's, you know, it's a fine line between having a heavy hand and being too heavy handed and, and being too laissez fair. And, you know, yeah. that's, that's, that could be a tough mix. Yeah, I like uh, Jocko. You ever watched him? Jocko, the he's a he was a Navy SEAL. He's on there. He does a lot of business stuff on YouTube. Oh, okay, yeah, I think yeah, I, yeah, I know who you're talking the, about. Yeah, the big the big Navy SEAL guy. He's, yeah, he mentioned that philosophy, and I do agree with it. Is you know get them to come up with their own plan, and then when it does go south, jump in and give them direction again. Right, uh, but show them how to do it. It's it's so important. You know, another aspect of leadership, you're, you're hitting on such a great area and I want to stay on it is, is there's so many different types of leaders. We're the type of leader that uh, fills it. We feel what's going on in the organization. We're about right. the cult culture. What do you, what do we need as leaders? I want to kind of go on two sides. So the logical leader uh, that just kind of is in the moment, those are good managers, good instruction what kind of validation or what are they searching every day to get? Cause everybody needs validation yeah. uh, or they're searching for it. Maybe you don't need it or you do um, at that level. I think it, when you get onto a CEO level or a leadership level or an owner level, it becomes, doesn't it feel like an Island a little bit? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Especially as an owner, you, you're out, everybody wants something from you. Um, any every every interaction is the next. I call it transaction relationship. Right. No, you're right. That's a good way yeah. to put it. Yeah. yeah. They they see you and they say, "Hey, I want," and you're like, "Okay." Uh, start <laughs> start with, "How are you doing today, Matt?" You know. Um, yes. And I used to do that um, when I would go on to my, you know, on my uh, in my organizations. I would say, 
hey, how are you doing? And I give everybody a fist bump. I'd say, how are you doing? And I'd force a interaction that was more human instead of a transaction. I need this from you. Um, right. But for me as a leader, and I, I want to hear your side to this, for me as a leader, I'm an emotional leader. So if I have a team around me, uh, I, I need to, because I'm feeling what the culture is, maybe my other leader uh, that's more logical is looking at systems. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Outcomes. And I'm looking at people. How does those two, How why is it so important to have two different types of managers instead of having the same one? You know, for for me, it's almost like a good parenting system. You, you need, and sometimes a very strong parent that's going to be discipline based, and then you mm-hmm. also need a caring, emotional parent um, that's probably a little too soft at times. And uh, this actually occurred to me yesterday. You know, there's two philosophies on motivating people or or animals or whatever. You got a carrot, you got a stick. Um, I tend to be definitely more of the uh, carrot approach. Let's mm. try to motivate people and, and give them rewards and that kind of stuff. But I, I can tell you, and it'd be interesting to see on a, on a different level, that doesn't work for everyone. Um, and some people almost prefer a discipline type of approach. I'm not saying in a bad way, but, but there's some type of what you're talking about, a, a validation that, hey, I need to be disciplined or I need to have something that's going to be able to motivate me um, that way. I, I just dealing with a couple of employees. I, I have one almost just seemed like that way that the the motivation part wasn't going to motivate them. But if there was a, you know, a write up or a discipline or whatever, and and my managers, I'm, I'm too soft. My managers tend to be more realistic and that we have to motivate uh, through discipline if needed and that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying they don't have the other parts. They do. They, they can motivate through motivation instead of discipline. But all in all, it ends up being a, a, a good quote-unquote marriage for what we need. And for me personally, it works better because I'm not good in those areas or I'm not strong in those areas. Uh, I, I can be if I have to be, but I prefer not to be. It's just part of my personality. So the the dynamic of the both, I think, is very helpful. And you hit on a good concept. And I I wonder if that's where a lot of the stress comes from leadership. You just mentioned you're not good in all those areas. And I think a lot of leaders try to be good everywhere and hold on to it and are not. I love I I think where a lot of the similarities where I'm just honest, here's my weaknesses. You either like me or you don't. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I'm a leader that can't write worth crap. If you see me spell, I mean, you're going to think my five-year-old did it. That's just a struggle I've had in my life. And, but if you need problem solving, yes, that's me. I'm a strategic guru. I can go in and right. create, create relationships, open up big doors, but right. I'm not, I'm not going to write a 20 page strategic plan. No, that's just, sorry, not me. <laughs> so, so it, it's, so you hit a topic. I want to. I want you to flush that out a little bit more. Why is it so important for leaders to be honest what their strengths are and what they're not? You know, in general, just be just beyond leaders to be honest. I feel like the world that we're in, honesty, honesty is a rare commodity, and the reality is everyone is is dealing with stuff and and in their own mind. I think a lot of people feel like they got to be something that they're not. And, and I've felt the times and I've hesitated in the, in the past to, to be real and to be honest, because I've seen it as a chink in my armor or as not being the strong, the strength that I need. But what I have noticed is when I'm honest with other people, it, it opens up a, a whole new dialogue and relationship with them. And then not only that, they, they tend to, I think for the most part, if you're with well-intended people and they'll accept it and then they'll, you know, they'll, they'll step up in the areas that they, they know they need to. So, but it's, it's obviously not. And then the other part is too, you really can never improve on something if you're not honest with yourself. Um, Even like what you're talking about with your, your writing, I'm sure with some time you've, you've improved. Um, And, and I'm not, like my handwriting's terrible and my grammar and punctuation needs work. Interestingly enough, though, 
what I found, I'm not really an artistic person in the, in the sense of painting and uh, drawing and all that. Honestly, my, my nine-year-old daughter can draw and paint better than me. But as far as creativity, I'm a very, I found that I'm a creative person, creative writing. I found that I have some very good creative writing and, and sometimes verbally, I have a hard time expressing myself. So if I can actually, the grammar and the punctuations aren't that great on it and I, I work hard at it, but the actual writing, the creative part of the writing is, is good. It allows me a canvas to express my thoughts and feelings. Yeah. I think you hit a huge piece is just that creativity in businesses. And, and, you know, with that creativity, when, when is a point in your leadership do you lose interest? What causes you to lose interest in things when there's no more purpose? What is it? That's a very good question. You know, I, you know, when, when do you hit that burnout and you're burnt, just completely burned out, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for me, I, I, I hit a wall when I feel there's no purpose. We're not hitting in the right direction. Leadership is not, uh, and I don't need to be in charge. Let's say I'm on a team. And I'm a leader on that team. I think where I hit a wall is when I just feel there's no connection because I'm I'm a person of connection. And no, I agree I, with you there. Yeah, yeah, I need. I know we got to hit numbers matrix. I'm a numbers guy too, but I I want to know that we're keeping the purpose alive, the meaning alive. Why we're celebrating the wins and the numbers? Because when you're in business, you're in it to make a profit. That's why you start a business. Yeah. But you also want to change lives. And I think for us, that's what it means for us. Is I, What's your thoughts? Yeah, I know. I agree with you. Um, it, for me, it's I, I look at the business for having a purpose. One of, the, one of the, the primary purpose should be a profit. You can't do anything without a profit. You can't no. do anything without money. Politicians need money, even though they're going to say that they don't. They you know, tend to act like no one needs money. In, in a sense, but no, or a corporation doesn't need money. They, and that they can be a whole other discussion for a different day. But at the end of the day, in order to get where you want to get, you're going to have to have a profit. I would, I would say, unfortunately, that's probably always going to be the biggest motivator is uh, a profit because you can't really do anything else without the money. Mm-hmm. But um, in one of my businesses, one of my purposes has been, uh, and this is, this is just like entry level jobs and above. But one of my purposes has been to be able to help my uh, my team or team members be able to buy houses. Uh, in the last two years, I've been able to help eight, awesome. eight team members buy a house. That's awesome. Uh, so I think you got to get into some tangible goals that you can set. And buying a house means a lot of things. That means financial stability. Uh, for you as the company owner, you, you know that that means they're they're going to be sticking around longer and, and such, and the ability to help them do it. Most of it was done on their own accord. On a couple of them, I was able to help out as needed. But you know, that's a great feeling. Uh, oh yeah. So. Yeah, I think it's kind of like what Dave Ramsey says: when you have a tribe, it's our responsibility to take care of them. Because yeah. they are helping the business grow when the business has life and all that. So let's let's circle back around to mental health because this is a passionate topic for both of us. Right. Um, tell me a little about what your thoughts in it. You know, the country's went through a lot. Uh, we've seen COVID hit. Prior to this, we've always been in mental health. I think I've been in it for, well, since 2000. You probably a little longer. When, when did you start in it? About the same, 99. Uh, 99. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I came back and got into it uh, with uh, a gentleman in our hometown, Matt Eschler. We, we, I helped him in foster care. We did a lot of other things. Then I went over and started doing emotional growth seminars, did life coaching. Just a journey. Then I ended up in outpatient services. Crazy stuff, but it's been a fun journey. You know, it was funny when I told, I'll tell you this backstory, then I want to hear your side and how you got into it is I started coaching soccer. And I started helping kids and I started noticing, hey, I love helping. And then I told my college academics that I wanted to be a therapist. They laughed at me because I couldn't read or write very well. And I says, well, okay, whatever. So I ended up doing film. So my degrees have nothing to do with my field. And uh, even though I use them still, but um, 
I think school for me was just to prove that it could do it. Yeah. And then, and then in that process, it's funny. Cause I remember sitting with, uh, you know, I I've had therapists personally throughout my life. And I remember sitting in front of one, he says, you know, you don't, and it was a big aha moment. He says, Matt, you don't have to be a therapist to be in the field and help. And that was a big thing for me. So, right. so when I got into it, I, I didn't realize that you can be the owner of the business and still be part of the business. And right. I've, I, I always worked on the micro level. Even when I owned the businesses, I was always working with the kids, working with the family, which got me into parent coaching. And so it was a journey. And I think it's God sent because I think purpose, there were so many times I try to get out of it, but I believe in you're, you're kind of supposed to be in something that is driven by purpose. And that's mine. Tell us a little about your background in this journey, and then we'll talk about mental health. Sure. Yeah. My, my background is in 99, I started doing uh, marketing for treatment centers and, and other programs that, that we're dealing with uh, mental health issues, behavioral issues and all that kind of stuff. So as I got into it and did more and more of it, and you're dealing with, you know, uh, families that are uh, dysfunctional and uh, their children are dysfunctional and just just basically a dysfunction all all around. Not all of it's necessarily mental health based uh, or caused, but you know there's definitely uh, a large part of that. And then as you as you as I've gone and done that, and I've just seen uh, friends or family that's dealt with drugs and the plague of drugs. It it just makes you go, holy cow! This thing is this mental health is just so underwhelmingly addressed. Um, I I do feel we're at the point that it's going to start getting some of the attention it needs. Yeah, we we can talk more about that. Even even like today, I posted on a on Facebook. You probably see it. It's the it's the Hollenberg family something like that they're uh influencers or whatever he has this awesome song adhd is awesome and he 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 does the mary poppins uh you know i've never seen that yeah you'll have to check it out super casual sbs adocious i can barely say it Uh, i'm like moses i'm slow of speech it's Um, all good um, anyways, he he talks about just redefining what ADHD is called, and yeah. you know, and I, you know, you, you see in there is called a disorder, and is not necessarily always a disorder. I think no. a superpower, or if we retool it and reframe it, I, I one of my gripes on education is we got a one size fit all, and if you can't learn in their industrial systematic to be a industry worker. Uh, industrial worker that somehow you have a disorder um part part of it comes from the beginning of that the other part is there's just not enough uh recognition and understanding of of different personalities learning types um and such and last but not least uh the the studies are overwhelming on if you talk about youth about mental health being able to understand it that kind of stuff as they reach adulthood they've proven that they are able to uh, address it much better. So I've, I've been an advocate, you know, in the United States ditched mental health. I, I can't remember the day, the date, but it seemed like maybe it was in the eighties or seventies when they would no longer institutionalize people or whatever, you know, that, that could be a different discussion, but you know, the problem is I just don't feel like, it, you know, the announce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. I don't see prevention coming in, you know, and I, that that's my biggest frustration is what we, there's a lot of stuff we can fix by just addressing it. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's what you said. They're not really looking at the bottom line problem. Uh, they're seeing it finally coming in because mental health has always been a stigma in, yeah. in the past. And, like we share, I, I love, I took my son to Imagine Dragons. You ever watch those guys? Yeah, yeah, they're great. Yeah, seen yeah, he, yeah. he lives, I think they have a house supposedly down the road here. He grew up okay. in Vegas. Um, it was a cool concert. First time seeing it, it was my five-year-old. He loves the music. Uh, now he's six, but he, he, he gets on and talks about going to therapy and that he's has a therapist and he's always struggled and, and, 
and and we would be we'd be lying to ourselves as a human being saying that none of us struggle. Yeah, uh, yeah, because because at the end of the day, uh, everybody has some sort of mental illness. And I love what you said earlier. Being an ADD kid, uh, I had to come to grips with it. It is my superpower. Does it suck? I can't pick the pin up and do what I want with it. Uh, in right, whatever, but nah, I'm in a day and age. I'm okay with it. I've came to grips. I have beautiful cell phones now that do that all for me. Right. And, and I can hire a ghostwriter, right? So I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When I wrote my book, it was a ghostwriter. I just, yeah. I just, uh, had, had it do it. And I'm on, we're on our third book. And, right. and the cool system is that you just, I speak, they type it or they write it because that's their gift. Right. But my writer even struggles in a lot of areas. We talk about a lot of times she's uh, a great individual, but she'll struggle. So this this topic of mental health, we're just seeing the iceberg. I think now it's like brushing teeth. It has to be like, what am I doing today? Yeah, because like yeah, I have good days and I have bad days. Like when I wake up, my anxiety is very high for no stupid reason. Um, I I choose not to, I don't medicate or anything and it's my choice. I, I guess I do to use caffeine in a, in a, a calculated way. That's my choice. Uh, I'm not, I, I, I'm very similar. I've started recently though, and it, it does help, but you know, yeah. it's a personal choice, but go ahead. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not against medication because I've, if, if, if I was bouncing off the walls and I couldn't focus, I'd use medication. And if, if I'm having, I don't really, I suffer more from the anxiety and, and, and just my worries of what ifs, I don't have suicidal thoughts. I'm not thinking, uh, that doomsday or that depression. I don't get, I've been in depression at one time and it wasn't too scary, but, but you got to come to grips with it. Like, um, I've dealt with CEOs at a high level where they're struggling and I go, dude, you have ADHD. Let's talk about it. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I says, I can see you're all over the place. You're not organized. <laughs> let, 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 let me go. Let me go look at your car. <laughs> I, I open the car and trash falls out. I'm like, it, it's one ADD kid to another. I can point yeah. it out and I can walk into a room, Roger, and I can see if I'm in a classroom with kids and I sit there for a minute, I can see the ones that can't read. I can just immediately know, hey, they struggle. They have a learning disability. Uh, or, or they are avoiding because a lot of the avoidance of doing work. So, so this mental health thing is, is we got to break the stigma. What's your thoughts on it? Cause it, it's a big passion of mine. Cause um, if I'm struggling with bipolar schizophrenia, it's just my cards I'm dealt with. How do we as a society help? What's your thoughts on that? I, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, I was watching the, the Kanye West interview. Oh, I saw that. Piers Morgan. And one of the things that struck struck me is when Piers was suggesting, and, and you know, I don't know Kanye West or anything like that, but suggesting that, you know, maybe he had some bouts of, of mental health or whatever, mm-hmm. and he attributed it to sleep. To me, you know, I just think that one philosophy, and it's not anything against him, it's just the way society looks at it, that, oh, no, there's a stigma to this. The reality is all of us deal with mental health. Oh, yeah. Uh, depletion just i i look at it like you know we have we we have answers for the common cold we have answers for the flu if your appendix is bad we can take it out um on on the physical health side we have all types of diagnoses and symptoms and and address it and but on the mental health side we act like there's not rarely hardly any mental health illness or anything like that and I just think that whole conversation needs to change that uh, daily we could be dealing with some mental health stuff. It doesn't doesn't mean this we need to be institutionalized, but it definitely can have parts that's de- debilitating to us and our relationships or our work or whatever else. And I like what you said. This should be, in my opinion, just kind of like brushing your teeth. That mental yeah. health should be doesn't need to be long two two minutes a day you know there's breathing techniques that you can do there's other things that can help uh, uh you know obviously i'm not a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist or anything like that if you have real mental health issues definitely talk to a professional yeah. I, I wouldn't even pretend to understand what everyone else is going through i'm just talking from my own perspective and what i've dealt with but even addressing it on a on a daily basis 
helps a lot. You, you talked about your network. And I think for me, uh, going back to what you said earlier, uh, your wife, mm-hmm. does she keep you in check? Yeah. she. Yeah. We've been married long enough. Kind of like what you're talking about. You go into a room and see who's dealing with what. She knows that I'm dealing with something. And able to get me off the ledge in a sense or you know able to start i know i noticed it immediately with my breathing my breathing changes mm-hmm. there is a lot to some of this ancient and eastern wisdom of, of breathing and meditation um and such and you know obviously we have the western side as as well of more medical and 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 such but um i just think getting in good practices and figuring out identifying those triggers is is the big thing what are some of your triggers i do notice my breathing it just starts to get very shallow and quick breathing and uh, like my body almost paralyzes and it's just overwhelmed with uh anxiety Hmm. and it's it's not good where does your where's your thoughts go rapid thoughts circling thoughts hmm and this is some of the stuff that they're looking at exploring with some different psychedelic medications and stuff like that. I don't know enough to yeah. talk about it, but that is some of the stuff that they're looking at that basically helps solve some of these these pathways that are into getting to these circling thoughts. The circling thoughts is, is for whatever reason, I get fixated, and that's probably... Part of the, because I'm similar to you, I definitely have, I don't know if I have ADHD or ADD, but I definitely have something and it doesn't really, like I said, it doesn't really matter, but you know, that's part of what I end up dealing with. And I end up getting these circling thoughts that keep going and going and going. And it's because I'm such an overthinker it it becomes its own problem. It becomes, it's, it's overwhelming. Um, what, that part what, what grounds you in that process? I know for me, I have to be grateful. I, I do a grateful meditation where I find something I'm grateful for in the here and now, because I I'm, I'm a forward thinker. So I'm always thinking of things. What grounds you? Uh, that's a great concept. I started doing the meditation. Um, journaling helps mm-hmm. breathing here and now gratitude. It's funny. Gratitude is I heard a, another guy speaking about this. I don't even know his name, but he said, you know, most to get really where you want to be, if you operate from a sense of gratitude that everything happens for you instead of to you, and that this is a part of a, a bigger plan and a general purpose, your mindset starts to change. And then the, the breathing's very big. Um, and this idea of, the other part I think about gratitude, the other the other part is about being present. Mm. Except not worrying about yesterday, not worrying about tomorrow. Now being in the now and and understanding how this can help me. It's not easy to get into. It, it sounds no. easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that because and we didn't talk before this uh podcast, but yeah. I, I think I use, I have that quote on my wall because it right. really anchors because Buddha also said that there's a lot of big philosophers, but it's um, for me, I'm so far ahead or I'm so far back. Yeah. I got, I got to be present. And sometimes I feel my kids and my wife suffer from me not being present. Oh, um, too, yeah. 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 And so I have to purposely, I'll put my cell phone. I started doing my cell phones. I leave them in my office charging. And then I go out and I says, Hey, if the world burns down, it's okay. Cause in my head, I think I have to be ready and available. But the most important things this year, at least for the last two years, I've been reprogramming my mind that my family is the most important thing, no matter what. Great concept. Yeah. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, I can lose everything. I can start over. Yeah. I, I've done it a hundred times. And, and and going back to this mental health concept or this worry for us and and it's it's so important. I hope people are hearing this. Like I pulled up actors while we were talking on okay. Google, this is from Google, so right. I, and so nobody can get me go after Google. But right. th- there's so many actors that deal with mental health. So everybody knows this one, Britney Spears. Right. Yeah. yeah. We saw we all saw her breakdown. Right. It, it was from a controlling parent. 
And, and so she had, bless her heart, it, you know, she, there was a lot of family issues that w- occurred for her. Uh, we had Ryan Reynolds. I didn't know this one. I guess Ryan, it, it is obvious he's probably ADHD. I don't know. It doesn't tell me oh, out here I, what it is. I had no idea. He seems so uh, yeah. cool, calm, collect, and, and you know, one of the things he has going for me is yep. so funny at being able to, to he's, handle stuff. He, he uses his, that's his superpower, you know, maybe, yeah. he's the, uh, um, you know, Stephen Colbert. I didn't know that. Well, that kind of might make sense as Stephen, um, <laughs> you know, the Colbert uh, show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the, hilarious. Yeah. yeah. And then a little far left there, but um, <laughs> then you have uh, Annalita Jolie. I didn't yeah. know that one. I didn't, yeah. Yeah. So, so a lot of these, if you, if you can think of, oh, here's 15 of them that are open uh open let's see who these are these are 15 well we said oh yeah ryan okay so it does tell me on here it is anxiety he's open about it that's cool so he talks a lot about it uh he has attention deficit that makes sense right Uh, so that's why he's probably so good and funny he's he's really fast on his feet um i don't know who that is amber or something uh britney spears we talked about her and i'm using these these famous people that everybody see in the spotlight and it, it and so i don't know her uh bruce springsteen did you know that i did not no yeah so it says bruce springsteen he was let's see if it tells me what he suffered don't see it here interesting oh we'll have to look in that but it say oh imaging or something loss of self Looks like depression. I'll have to look into it more. Anna, here, here's Anna Jolie. Uh, she, I believe she had some eating disorder issues, but I could be wrong, so don't quote me. Mm-hmm. Open up. Oh, yeah. So here it is. She, uh, nope, wrong. It was a battle for depression. So she had a lot of depression. So just interesting. It, you know, mental health, it doesn't matter how wealthy, how poor, or how. <laughs> talented or how young you are it, it's affected my family i have a stepsister that's dealt with mental health issues brothers it's it's gonna it's touched everybody and i think a lot of us some cultures for instance my my wife's culture uh they try not to talk about it a lot they're starting to get better i think yeah. the the mexican culture and hispanic culture is starting to be more talking about it the new generation coming up uh, oh, Brad Pitt. Did you know that? No, I did not. Uh-uh. Dealt with depression, battle of depression. It seems like, you know, a lot of those money, what tells me is money is not going to take it away, right? It, it can create, it can probably create more than it, that it helps. And the the reality is, I guess that's what I'm kind of saying earlier is mm-hmm. our ancestors were very poor considered uh, dealing with what we deal with. But, you know, I'm sure there were some mental health issues. I just think the yeah. complexity of our lives ah. created so many more mental health issues. And I think that's what they even, fi- they even find that, you know, the more mental health really comes out when you start dealing with some, some complexities. Does this yeah. cause mental health issues? Yes, big time. So interesting you say that. Let's, let's just, because I love the podcast when we just talk. Uh, the big thing here is you talked about our ancestors. Let's say before medication, before mm-hmm. all the freaking TV and all this self-diagnosing, uh, people getting on MD on Google and diagnosing themselves. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. um, what? Why? I know there was mental health issues back in the day, uh, but what do you think was the difference? They were trying to figure it out. They did. You know, medicine. Advance of medicine is great. Don't get me wrong. But do you feel because they were hard workers, they were constantly moving, they were eating healthier? Do you see? Do you think they saw less of it? I and I'm not a doctor. What's your thoughts on it? Either I I know. Yeah, but that's just my just my general theory would be definitely food. Uh, food. The, the food intake that we that we do is not good. Uh, we have very enriched food that's depleted of uh, you know. That that's enriched with sugars, but depleted of vitamins and such. There's some major studies going on between gut health and and your mental health and your emotional health. 
and again, I just think, you know, simplicity typically in my mind leads to a simpler life. You know, you're not dealing with so many different things and, and that, that's what I'm kind of in referencing is they, they say if someone has a, a mental uh, breakdown or something mental that happens to them in their twenties or thirties, it's, they've probably already had parts of that there, but there's something in their life that triggers it. Mm. Uh, so that gets back to, again, daily mental practice, like brushing your teeth, like you talked about. If you do that, then you, then you're less likely to have something trigger it. But I just think the anxiety of, you know, trying to compare yourself to people on Instagram or, you know, we, we already know that, most unhappiness comes from want you know yeah. you're wanting something and you don't got it you're unhappy I, i'm not i'm not taking away from actual you... real feelings and emotions that do happen with certain people you know that are predisposed to that but in general i know if i'm not happy about something it's because i don't have something i don't that i want yeah. that i don't have and i've fixated on it yeah I, yeah. I, I'm reading a book on, uh, maybe you've seen this, but it's a, it's on happiness. Uh, maybe you've heard of it. My favorite thing, Audible. Uh, I don't know if you like Audible. Oh, I love Audible, yeah. <laughs> reading. It's great for short bus kids like me. The Audible, the happiness hypothesis. You ever heard of it? Uh-uh. Uh, yeah, okay. good, 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 okay. good book. He talks about what makes us happy, and he hits a lot what you're saying. It's a choice. It's yeah. looking at what you're doing. Happiness is what everybody's search is when it comes to right. mental health. Because mental health is awareness. It's homeostasis. How do I find that balance of feeling like my hierarchy of needs are met, right? Right. Um, am I, because I don't need to be wealthy. I could have all my needs basis and I could still be the happiest. Uh, I've met the most happiest guys that have just enough to get by, but they're just the happiest people ever. Cause they're, they're, you know, they're so good at what they do and, and they love it. Um, so happiness is interesting, but I want to go back to mental health real quick. I pulled this up 1900s mental health view. It says this, when they had symptoms, it was very shameful and dramatic in, in the, in that time of society. And they wow. were, sh they were shunned. <laughs> And and many women were um, experienced symptoms of mental health were written off. Interesting, yeah. right? And yeah. so so, but see the interesting thing from the 1900s to now, it it was still that trend of mental health being a stigma. Hey, don't if I came into a if you, if I was working for you back then, and I said, hey, Roger, I have bipolar, or I mm -hmm. have this. That stigma was still there in a sense. You know what I mean? What what interesting. <laughs> No, I, I totally agree with you. And that that's obviously the transition part that we're in of holding back to those old, you know, I just kind of like they even talked about generational curses in a sense. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that is part of our generational curse that it was so stigmatized. And so, you know, we, we have to cleanse that out and then make a new choice that our next generations don't don't have the same issues with with it not being talked about. I'm a very big believer in, you know, dealing with uh, different businesses and then coaching teams. And I found this really important on coaching teams is to really recognize when we made a breakthrough. It doesn't have to be a win or whatever, but something that we struggled with, that, that sense of confidence can help us with going to the mm – -hmm. that, that belief and confidence can help us to the next level. I love it. And that's what I feel like is even here with society. We have to recognize the areas that we are moving into. And to put it to put it shortly, Matt, the, the companies that you're gonna see a huge push to it. Yeah. The companies that will do it, there's gonna be a huge financial windfall, uh billions and billions of dollars. It, it's the most unaddressed thing in Western society, and if not the world. But mental health, everywhere you go, you can see signs and symptoms of it. Um, unfortunately, most of it was could have been avoided if it was preventative, and and that's where I'm. We we keep focusing on this this cure, 
Uh, but the, the, the reality is we've got to get into prevention. Yeah, we got to see it. So that would lead me as we come to the end of the show. I, I want to ask you, what would the advice to leaders, because purpose-driven person show this is high performers, CEOs, what would you tell them to address? How would you give them advice to address mental health in the workplace? It's a- I, I think the biggest thing is, you know, actively read some books on it and start to understand emotional intelligence and, mm. and uh, if you have a hard time understanding it yourself, definitely become educated on it. Even just lift it, look up your eyes and observe, see, see how many people you feel in your organization are dealing with something with mental health. And there, there's been some very good authors that have talked about, you know, a, a team approach is, is uh, organization or business's family. It can't always be that way, but if if you have the ability to influence that way and look at it that way, I think you'll see a, a better team. Should Should they have access to therapy in the workplace if needed? That that's a very good question. Um, a very tough question across the board. I would say if if you're in a position that you could do it, I would offer it. Or have resources to it, or find ways resources. to yeah, yeah, resources to it and, and such. Yeah, you make a good point because if I'm a small business owner, I don't have the funds to do that. What are some other options as a small business owner? Uh, maybe education. Education, you know, education books, that kind of stuff. Uh, when Phil Jackson was a coach, he would give his players certain books to help them be able to address certain issues. Not not all mental health, but even just, you know, the way they think or whatever else or approach to life. So if you've so, got that awareness. Good. Yeah, so and right. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to talk about the other problem, even because a lot of business owners will offer insurance and benefits, but. The problem is the benefits are are squirrely when it comes to mental health. That's I know it's improved over the last ten years, but they they don't address you know they they don't treat they kind of look at it still as not like you had an appendix that need to be taken out. They're you know they're much more subjective instead of objective or uh, saying that you need mental health or mental health help. Yeah, you know, and it's it's interesting. This statistic was in 2019. 15% of workers uh, ages adults were estimated to have a mental health disorder in 2019. That was in 19. I'm pretty sure that's went up since yeah. COVID. Uh, let me let me see if I can, and then we'll kind of sum that. Oh, here it is. Uh, working 71% of 71% believe there is employers concerned of mental health. Uh, I'm just seeing if we have any current. Oh, here, let's see what this one says. Oh, 19.86% now in 2022. So yeah. that went from 15 to 19. That's a big jump. Again, I'm not Google, so you got to fact check you fact checkers uh, out there. So I'm not, yeah. I'm just, yeah, yeah, check it. Check this up, man. We're, we're, we're in the business of getting better <laughs> educated. <laughs> e- e- email Ben Stewart. Uh, what's his name? Ben. Uh, so, so whatever that guy talks on TikTok, the one that has all the statistics. Oh, okay. Yeah. Apoyo or whatever his name is. Um, but yeah, here, here's what I want. You know, I'm going to conclude here, but I have a few questions for you. Who, who was the, who was your biggest influence in your life, Roger? Who who influenced you? I I'd obviously probably say my uh, my dad, and then um, and then after that would be my wife, hmm. um, and you know, as you said earlier, being around good friends I think helps, or being around good people, the right people will help you get in the in the position you want to be. Um, but yeah, just good. Who's who, who, what's your most happiest moment you remember? Um, I would definitely say, uh, obviously children being born. Hmm. Um, but beyond that, anything in general or philosophy of seeing my kids have success, uh, in whether it's uh, a soccer game or, uh, a dance recital or something in college, uh, you know, a couple of my kids are college age now and 
you know, they're like my daughter just is going to BYU and just got into the uh, media arts program. You know, very, very proud and happy for her. So, <laughs> who's most likely to cry in a movie, you or your wife? Uh, me. Um, <laughs> I already knew that answer, but yeah, I was just, a, yeah, I'm a little bit uh, more emotional than, than her at times in, in weird ways. Good. It's very weird. <laughs> good. Yin or yang. You, you always attracted to your opposite. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. yeah. So last thing is what's your favorite book you read this year? Oh, I'm not sure if I even read a book. This uh, year. Or, or maybe you poked at or whatever. We'll make uh, it simple. What's your favorite book overall? Your favorite author? Well, I can tell you one I just read this year, actually. I, I just listened to it. It's the uh, by Napoleon Hill. What's that one? Rich. Uh, or uh, Think yeah, and Grow Rich. Think and Grow, grow Rich. Rich. Yeah. Wow, it was an amazing book. And to think that that was written, I don't know, 70, 80 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Ever. One of the things I really thought on it is like, holy cow, this is this is the secret. The secret just copied a bunch of the stuff. But it just kind of, I, I think he nailed a lot of the stuff on there that, you know, I told my 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 kids, hey, you got to read this. It's really, you know, has some really good concepts. And obviously Napoleon Hill uh, worked around a lot of wealthy individuals. So he had that that mass collection of data and constant feedback. Um, but great book on put it out to the universe, work towards it. And um, you have the right philosophies, good things will happen. Yeah, I love it. it it's a great book. I read it a few times. Well, I listened to it. I should recorrect it as a short bus kid. I it was on the cassette tapes. You remember those days? Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My my first motivational book was Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Set cassette right. Walkman. And <laughs> and you were in school, but I I don't know if you remember, I dropped out of school. I didn't my, know that. Yeah. I, well, I went I went to Mill Creek. You remember Mill Creek okay, High? Yeah. 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 So I went over there. I dropped out. I went to Mill Creek Homeschool, started a yard care business. So while your senior year, I was mowing lawns and <laughs> You remember, there's a movie called Summer School. You remember that one? He, right, the, yeah. the guy went to the bathroom and he never came back. Yeah. Until they, they graduated. That was me. I showed up to the graduation. Remember that? <laughs> um, so I was I was making money while everybody was in school. Then I would go to Mill Creek and do my packets. Yeah. So so uh, it, it's interesting to see. Um, last question I have, and then we'll end, is who do, you, who do you recommend we should have on the show that would be a purpose-driven person that you've been around in your life currently? Anybody you recommend? Somebody's just doing great things, wow. helping a lot of people. So many people, I can see you thinking. Off the top of my head, honestly, I, I don't know. I'd have to get back, back with you on it. <laughs> You're like, well, my wife, she she helps my family. and <laughs> Yeah, my wife. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. So last thing I have is give us some advice. What, where, where can people go? Because now you're in the consultant world. You're consulting. Close this out with some leadership advice and how they can get a hold of you if they would like to work with you. Okay. Yeah. I'm, uh, I've am i kind of opened up some old things that I've had going on. I, I have addictions.org mm-hmm. um, and I'm launching that. It's basically going to, it'll have a directory of at different facilities, treatment providers, consultants, and other people that uh, can help provide families and, and those seeking help with addictions. So, yeah, they can find me there. Okay. Yeah, that's that's my new project. So it, I've, I've had the domain for a while, let it go for a little bit, but have uh, re, repurposed it and, and moving forward with it. And then they can find you on Facebook and LinkedIn and all yeah, that. Yeah, find me on Facebook. Um, yeah, Facebook would be the easiest. Just hit me up there and message me and go from there. All right, cool. Roger, it's been awesome. Uh, I Again, I, like I said at the beginning of the show, is, uh, I always remembered you in school just being the kindest person, always willing to help people, uh, just, just always saying hi to everybody. So I just appreciate you. 40, yeah. 40 something years later, I don't know how old you are. I think you were the same age. Oh, I'm 44. We are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You might be one year older. Aren't you old? No, the same year. Oh, okay. That's right. Yeah. yeah 96. Yeah. Well, I, I love this. And uh, mental health is such a good passion. Thank you for being on the show. And if you're listening to the show, we're going to have Roger back a few times because he has a lot to say in this. 
area. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to have Dr. O and you on, and we're going to just have fun with mental health. And, <laughs> and, uh, but if you're, if you're looking for mental health, I always close out with a show like this. Please seek professional help if you need it. Do not be ashamed of it. Go get therapy if you need it. If you need medication help, there's so many good people in your areas. If you need help, just email us here on the show. We will help you find something. Uh, we'll help you search it. Like Roger said, he has addictions.org. Uh, go there. He'll help you find that. Do not shy away of getting help. I just want to make sure if you're feeling suicidal, let's get you some help because this mental health stigma needs to go away. Thank you so much for watching the Purpose Driven Show. I'm Matthew Cox, your host. If you're tuning in, go to iTunes, give us a review, make sure that you follow us on the, all the platforms out there. Go check out our new website, MatthewLelandCox.com. Our book is launching at the end of this month, The Purpose, The Courage to uh, Learn Differently. And then we're getting ready to launch the, the Purpose to Lead Differently. So go check those out. And again, continue to live on purpose. Take care, guys. Hey guys, thank you for listening to the Purpose Driven Person podcast. Something I said today resonated with you. Head over to my website. I'd love to give you a free gift to download, but you can also email me at purposedrivenperson at gmail.com. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And remember guys, always continue to push your dreams and never give up. I'll see you next time. Take care.